The Burgerkrieg Productions 15 Minutes of Fame podcast features Kevin, mastermind behind the Seattle-based Not Evil cult from the future astronaut pop-punk band. No more Death Stars. Here's their song before the world ends. I used to think I'd smoke my voice away. Welcome to the Bird Creek Productions 15 Minutes of Fame podcast. Hey. So first first of all, it, I, I found this very fascinating. Your, your, your band camp bio reads, uh, quote, an ex-hitman comes out of retirement to track down <laughs> the gangsters that killed his dog and took everything from him, end quote. Aside from John Wick, what is one movie or franchise you'd love to hear a No More Death, no More Death Stars song in? Oh, man. Uh it's a good question. Uh, hmm. Are they making more Planet of the Apes? A no more Death Star song in a Planet of the Apes film. I'm I'm digging that. I'm digging that. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually I'm I'm willing to score a Planet of the Apes movie. Really? I'll throw that out there right now. I don't know who I need to talk to, but start to finish. Yeah, I'm trying to score the whole thing. <laughs> trilogy, maybe. Ideally, a, a trilogy would be great for my resume. <laughs> Just I don't know who does those. Uh, 20th Century Fox. 20th Century. Would, yeah. Would this be yeah. would would this be a Tim Burton trilogy of Planet of the oh, Apes? God. <laughs> you know, I watched that movie recently, the Tim Burton one. Yeah. It it's not terrible. I I don't really understand like why it exists. You know, <laughs> like like you like you know how some movies you're watching them and people are like they're just doing things because like that's what people need to do right. in life. I guess you know. There's I don't know, but. uh yeah, it's it just kind of it's the whole thing's bizarre, but uh, and I think there's a little bit of bestiality in it, or suggested maybe it's a little strange. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the rules are. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't know what the rules are with uh, like humans and like high evolutionary. Right. Uh, but yeah, and then there's that weird ending. Yeah. Um, Wait, hold on yeah, a second. Can, 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 we ba- can we back it up to the the borderline possible bestiality? I, I so oh, yeah, let's totally. let's think of it this way. Let's get into that. So, <laughs> so, so okay, Mark Wahlberg. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm. If is there Marky Mark, Marky Mark, is there? So there's definitely. Let's say there is a, a deleted scene, tender and emotional sex scene, not unlike that of Team America, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, puppet sex sequence. What would how would one accurately do that? Would you have to do it in the in the sense or the style of like like Cinemax? You know, no penetration, but heavy petting. You know, like what what would that be like? And what would you censor? Do you know what I'm saying? How um, would you censor I, that? Well, I mean, we're we're doing this in a in a theatrically released, correct? Like big studio Planet of the Apes correct. adaptation yep. or remake or whatever it is. Uh, well, obviously we're pushing for that PG-13. Then mm-hmm. you know. We gotta we gotta hook them when they're when they're just barely pubescent. Mm-hmm. Um, lingerie at, at that point then, and would the apes be wearing mm-hmm. lingerie? 
Because they have uniforms, right? They have unis. Right. So they're aware of organs. They are. They are. Well, all right. I guess the uniforms are a little uh, not prehistoric, but they're archaic, right? They are extremely archaic. if there is lingerie, I mean, my first instinct would be to put them in maybe something classy, mm-hmm. 1920s kind of style. Sure. You know, not not too much, uh, not not this this skimp and shrimp you see today. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, something 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 tasteful, tasteful, something that would make you feel like a real lady, but not a whore. Right, right, and something. Not that there's anything wrong with that? No, no, and and I'm wondering too if you were to shoot that and Marky Mark is there involved. <laughs> oh God, Marky Mark's there. Right. So, so, so that's kind of, that's what I I'm wa- wait. Oh, I'm back up, back up, back up. Uh, the answer to the question is we can't do this then. Cause I don't, I don't think I could portray sexuality in front of Mark Wahlberg. I think I would be like, I would feel a little intimidated. <laughs> he seems physically large. Yes. And, uh, yes. And, 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 and like, he doesn't take to, <laughs> to any uh tomfoolery um, <laughs> you see he seems like he's a pretty straight and narrow guy and i wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to go on his bad side right right or 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 offend his uh his sensibilities i'm just you know part of me is wondering like and and this is kind of maybe an open-ended question has mm-hmm. to, to the best of your knowledge has has tim burton ever shot a tender and emotional love scene in if and i'm um, i'm not talking like i don't know kissing you know I'm talking like an actual like a I can't think of a, a Tim Burton movie where there's right, a sex right. scene. You know what I'm saying? Isn't there um in the 1989 Batman movie isn't there like kind of a moment with Michael Keaton and um yes. Kim Basinger? Yes. Where it's where it's like where it's like it's not like like I don't think a kid would watch it and be like mommy daddy what are they doing? But they're definitely like I feel like she's like laying in a bed with like white linen and he just kind of like drags his body across her or something. <laughs> That's in, right. Like a, in like a quick like fade cut. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and and then she wakes up in the middle of the night and he's hanging upside down because like yeah whatever. Because of the you know for a fact too that that was a cho- I I have a feeling that that was a choice that he made on set. Really? You don't think that was a Tim Burton thing where he's like, Mike, you're like actually a bat. You're more <laughs> bat than man. It's artistic. It'll get the audience really thinking about, you know, the borderline between, you know, you're just kind of a billionaire <laughs> playbook, but you're also aware that you are the Batman, right? Like, <laughs> just wondering. So so anyway, okay, so we've successfully discussed. And so I, I do, I, I'm wondering now, uh, just historically, because I think that yeah. is that might be the only you know love scene because think about it in mars attacks non-existent right mm-hmm. planet of the apes we've already established right, right. non-existent well okay so i don't think there's an outright sex scene in batman returns the sequel uh he might only get sexy when it comes to batman but uh right yeah the, the sequel a shirtless I don't, I, kevin costner there's, yeah there's no shirtless body dragging in batman returns <laughs> that i remember <laughs> but but uh <laughs> Danny DeVito's Penguin does say some pretty disgusting things. Do you remember the plot of that movie? It's insane. <laughs> I mean, like, all right. First of all, like, it centers around throwing babies in the sewer. Yeah, that's a big plot point yep. in this movie. Um, also, I used to think this movie was ridiculous because Danny DeVito is like this this deformed, sexually repulsive, um, predatorial. <laughs> 
Birdman who comes from the the sewer. How gross are his clothes? That's I think what grossed me out because right. it's a very dingy, grimy movie, and and Tim Burton does a fantastic job of like essentially bringing to life the depravity and how disgusting Gotham is. Right, right. It's a shit. But what gets me? What gets me is that the people of Gotham. I'm to believe that they legitimately saw this guy and was like, that's our next mayor because there's like, because, because there's like a grassroots campaign behind yes. this guy to make him the next mayor of Gotham. Uh, and no, not just to make him the next mayor of Gotham. It's not even an election year. Do you remember that? They just want to impeach the current guy because like, uh, like, evil clowns that live in the sewer with with the deformed penguin didn't guy, understand it uh, like didn't stole understand it. the mayor's baby right isn't that a thing they stole the mayor's baby there was and then took it to the sewer there was that kidnapping and, thing because you see dane devito like w- like waddling essentially didn't right. didn't at one point didn't he have the child he was holding well, the child well, well he, he saves the baby they 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 do uh they do a fake out uh baby heist oh, that's right that's and right. uh yeah, fake out baby he, heist yeah yeah he immediately you know emerges from the sewer with a baby in tow with mayoral baby in tow <laughs> and uh yeah but he's pretty gross in that he's I mean, he disgusting. pretty he's like he's like you know like uh sexually harassing interns at his uh campaign office where he walks around in his like stained it's so onesie nasty it's so <laughs> nasty does it have a butt flap or it does have no that? it 100 has perfect. a butt flap perfect 100 has a butt flap and and also too like the the texture of his teeth right because he's oh, eating yeah. like sardines yeah, and shit nasty. right like doesn't right. he eat, yeah yeah it's like fish it, it's just mm-hmm. I, I think yeah and he's got flippers he, yes. he i think he's part bird i guess I thought that that was definitely a little ridiculous growing up, but it also was a type of thing like when I saw it for the first time, like for like, for example, judge me, whatever. I liked Batman and Robin. I know it wasn't a great movie, but I liked it. I thought fair, it was fun, fair. right? It was a fun popcorn yeah. movie. It didn't change my well, fucking well, life. Here's the question. How old were you when it came out? That's the question. So I'm 32, if that gives you any inkling. Okay, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm th- yeah, about the same. Okay. So you remember how badly the studio wanted us to like that movie right i mean just there was a concerted effort to salvage this movie the best possible with the bat nipples and the changing of things halfway through and i think bk was involved at one point with some stuff maybe it was mcdonald's but um sure I, I liked it. It was fun. It was fun. I mean, no, I feel yeah. I can honestly say that because of that movie, there's a year of my life where George Clooney was on my trapper keeper at school. Dude, the Cooners, man. I was a big, big George Clooney <laughs> yeah. guy. Big George Clooney guy. Mm. Um, oh, and actually, it was McDonald's because I'm remembering now there were, uh, or maybe no, that was for Batman Forever. There were uh, the mugs. Do you remember the, the mugs they had? Of course. Of with course. like uh, Two Face on them and shit. Yeah. They had those. So you're talking about the glass ones. Yeah, yeah. The like the frosted glass ones. I I also want to say that there, it might have it might have been McDonald's. Um, there was a big push with like the Riddler stuff too, like the question yeah, oh, mark. Sure. Like that was yeah, huge. Well, yeah, because they had Jim Carrey in the studio, was trying to sell him to everyone. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That was a Jim Carrey movie first, and a Batman movie second. Correct. I would I would very much agree yeah. with that statement. Um, great soundtrack though fantastic fantastic that you know that that's one thing i will say i i feel like with the exception of the christopher nolan uh batman stuff and and they're great they are fantastic movies score wise i think up until those movies the batman mm-hmm. score like the the songs featured in there were pretty solid i i can't remember mm-hmm. who did the big one in batman and robin um 
I don't know. I know they're smashing pumpkins, but I don't think they were like the one right for that movie. Right. Well, because like you think about it historically, it's like you get Prince involved. Like there's these uh, yeah, to, yeah. to do the fucking entire score, no less. You know, for like for sure, which is insane. Sure. Um, <laughs> it's like it's like Mark Knopfler when he was tapped to do Princess Bride. It's like mm-hmm. who made that decision? And I love Princess Bride. Am I a huge <laughs> Dire Straits fan? Probably not, but I love their the sweatbands that they have, you know, that they wear on stage. Um, those are always... I, I support it. Yeah, I'm into it. So speaking of wardrobe choices, I spotted uh, a, a picture on your Instagram feed that featured you in... Uh, we'll, we'll call it regalia. Uh, you were essentially all wearing uh, onesies, jumpsuits. Now, yeah. it, it was stated that you only did this a few times, and... I, I love me some good jumpsuit content. So kind of walk walk me through the decision making process of well, like what led to that? Did were you inspired um, by Devo? Like what happened? Well, first off, I'm glad you're asking this question because I think, you know, you see a lot of jumpsuits these days and no one's really getting to the 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 core of it. Uh I don't know. I kind of always like the idea of envisioning us as uh like a maybe like a cult from the future or something into it. Um, but like a nice cult, you know, I don't know. Like I definitely, when I first started this band, I pictured it. I was like, it's probably just going to be a studio project because in my head, I'm picturing this, you know, like 16 people on stage with like strings and the horns and like crazy, you know, like just like a punk rock orchestra. Um, but, and then, you know, at some point it just kind of, uh, evolved into like an insane, whatever we are rock band <laughs> thing, you know? Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess because I had envisioned us as a punk rock orchestra, I always felt like, uh, polyphonic spree were maybe in some way like related to us. Uh, so there's probably, a, there's a little bit of that for sure. Uh, maybe less that I want us to be like a cult and more like, uh, like astronauts maybe. Mm. Well, we're like, you know, I can vibe little, on that. Little, yeah, punk rock astronauts. Uh, yeah, but I think we only played two shows in them. How uncomfortable were they? Or not too bad? They weren't. They get hot. They get pretty hot. Uh, <laughs> they weren't uh, necessarily uncomfortable because, you know, I mean, they're intended to do like construction work mm-hmm. and stuff. They're, they're loose fit. They have a nice low crotch. Nice. Uh, you know, it's like it's like wearing a, a pair of Dickies with a, a shirt attached to it. <laughs> Into uh, it. But yeah, but they just they they're like polyester or whatever or, you know, whatever they make like workman's gear. out right. of. So they're, they, they get pretty hot under stage lights. <laughs> I, I will say the there was I think there was an accompanying photo of you the band performing in the outfits, in the, oh, in, yeah. in the jumpsuits, and I will say like it it does look pretty sweet. Like it it looks cool because there's something about I think when bands coordinate like that, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying as extreme as like the Aquabats, even though those uniforms sure. are amazing, they look super cool. Um, but just coordination, I think, to a degree, again, not mm-hmm. necessarily that of the Aquabats or the Misfits, but somewhere in between. Coordination, like, right. I, I, I do like that idea, like you had said, almost like a futuristic cult, but a nice cult. Or astronauts, <laughs> yeah. in a sense. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I think, like, the creative vision, too, extends past not just the music, but also, like, the, the aesthetic of the band and the um, your presentation both on stage mm. and of your records and like the way your visual art looks and um, 
you know, the way your shows are promoted. Like it's all, it's all an extension. It's exactly. not just like I'm writing songs and that's where the art ends, you know? Mm-hmm. Speaking of, uh, an ex- you know, creative extension of the band's performances, etc. For you, when you go and see a band perform, whether it's for the first time or you've seen them perform a million times, to you, what's what makes a performance memorable in your mind? Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I guess it, it depends on. I, I think it's it's th- there's no one scenario, right? I mm. think it's specific. It's on a case to case basis. Um, I mean, I th- I think one of the more memorable or impressionable things I ever saw uh was probably uh you know the band symbols eat guitars uh are they predominantly instrumental music no they're i might be thinking of something i might be thinking of something else uh but no. I, I'm, i've heard of the band haven't i i can't say as though I, I can pull out any song titles or album names yeah i mean yeah i, I don't know if they have like any singular hit they but, like uh, proggy they like kind of prog rock um you know, I wouldn't say they're proggy, but I wouldn't say they're prog rock, but I you could argue that there's like maybe a prog mentality to it cuz like uh particularly their first album, mm-hmm. what really got me into them, they have this record uh Why There Are Mountains came out in I think like 2009 and it's fantastic because it has this kind of like uh you know, like 90s rock influence sort of like pavement, sonic youth, that kind of thing. That's awesome. At a time when underground music, I think, was predominantly like sort of dominated by Animal Collective and Dan Deacon and this more sort of like electro pop, like mm-hmm. 80s influence thing, you know. So I I feel like they were kind of at the head of the wave of like guitar music coming back into fashion because mm-hmm. it kind of like fell out for a while. So this band, Symbols of Guitars, I feel like they were kind of at the forefront of that that wave of guitar music coming back. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, they had that 90s slacker rock, but kind of like with more balls, I feel. Mm. Um, but they also kind of have this, uh, you know, because the reason I think Proggy is so their first album, you know, there's some six minute, seven minute songs on there that are heavily orchestrated mm. um, alongside with loud guitars and, and everything else you want in like, you know, an awesome rock band. But, uh, you know, like I heard the opening track. uh which is like just super epic. Um, this song, uh, oh, I'm so bad at song titles. I can't think of it right now. But uh, yeah, I heard the opening track on this record has something like realistically a hundred tracks <laughs> <That's> <laughs> mixed insane. into it. That's insane. Uh, yeah, no, it's like it's super dense, but it still sounds awesome, and it, it's never too much. Um, and there's like dynamic to it. There's like you know, it's like almost like a, you know, like an angrier. Uh, angstier American cigar Ross or something, you know, uh, it's super that, cool. That, but at, so, that atmospheric, like almost like an explosions in the sky kind of thing. Sometimes because, well, so the lineup of the band is guitar based drums, but then the fourth member rather than a second guitar player is uh, a keyboard player. And I, I feel okay. like th- this guy, he's actually, um, I don't know if you're an effects pedal guy, but he does, um, oh man, what is his effects pedal sound? He, he does the, uh, like the fuck overdrive uh big i think like big sound mm. something i don't know i'm butchering this i'm so sorry his name is brian hamilton i know that i remember that much uh <laughs> so brian if you're out there listening i'm so sorry that i'm butchering the name of your your pedal company um but uh so yeah he's this great keyboard player who kind of i he approached it more like guitar you know, because he had his, uh, you know, like you know, whatever, like a Yamaha or whatever, just hooked into a pedal board, 
and then you know like a tube amp like a marshall or whatever mm-hmm. the fuck he was using uh but yeah no they're a great band and i saw them probably in 2009 they came to my college and there was no more than 15 people tops maybe as little as 10 there uh so very intimate uh they only had the one record of material at the time nine songs so they played their nine songs uh but then they had a legitimate encore request so they came back um and i just remember them saying that you know all they had left was a b-side that they didn't feel too confident playing um and then my friend shouted out uh they have a song called cold spring he shouted out play cold spring again and they did it um so at the time, I was playing electronic music myself because I had also kind of uh, fallen victim of this, like, I'm bored of guitars or whatever. Um, so so I, there was a couple of years of my life where I was making predominantly, uh, like, sample-based and electronic music. And seeing these guys just rock the fuck out, but also playing the same song twice in one set uh, and also just really taking note of how although it's the same song, each performance was distinctly its own and the mm-hmm. energy was, was different. Um, you know, maybe the inflections of certain, uh, you know, pieces of the instrumentation was different, just things that I, I feel like I was, uh, missing out on, on, you know, cause I was doing shows with the electronic sampler stuff and they were super fun. You know, people, they just kind of like would turn to a dance party and people would like get into it and groove. But, uh, but also, you know, you're you're just you're you're playing pre-recorded loops, you know. So it's just kind of the same thing every night. The only the only thing that's uh, spontaneous, spine- organic, and uh, whatever about it is uh, your voice. So yeah, I don't know. It was great. I think that performance I can say was an impetus for me to get back into good hard music. We haven't talked about so you are moving to Seattle. You are leaving the, yes. the the frigid pastures of upstate New York and you're moving to the gloomy Seattle or you know, not that it's gloomy. I've never been there and it looks beautiful, but you're moving to Seattle from uh from upstate New York. Now, just quickly, what's one thing that you're going to miss about New York State? What's one thing you're oh, not gonna, what's one thing you're not going to miss? One thing I'm not going to miss? Both. What what's one okay. thing you're going to miss? Uh, one thing you're not uh, all right. Something I am going to miss first. Um, well, uh, I guess being in close proximity to New York city, you know, mm. uh, one thing I've noticed about Seattle is, you know, everyone is touring up all at once right now, right. After a year, year and a half of no tours, the floodgates are wide open. So there's a lot of great tours happening, mm. uh, this summer and fall, it seems. And, uh, but it's like a different circuit. It seems like going through the Pacific Northwest as the East coast for sure. But even like the rest of the country, like, you know, these big tours that are hitting up New York and LA, but maybe like skipping out on Seattle and Portland, it seems. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'll miss being in close proximity to New York and, uh, just being able to catch virtually any tour I want. Mm -hmm. Um, something i won't miss uh maybe at least stephonic uh i'm hoping maybe like local legislation will be a little bit a little bit cooler in seattle yeah uh 
Let's see. I'm, I'll try and find a less charged answer too. Something I won't miss. Uh, the taxes. They're out of control. That's kind of charged too, though. It's okay. See, I, I, I like charged answers. I want the, okay, the, yeah. the, the I want the unabashed. All right, let's get revved up. Get revved. <laughs> I just dropped my water. You, now see, I'm getting really. You are getting up. revved now up. I'm, yeah. That, yes. Now I'm gonna get angry because I, I can't find my water. Found it. Uh, okay. Now, how about this? Um, I, I've noticed that this is a a trend somewhere on the internet. Um, tell me, tell me, you're from upstate New York without telling me you're from upstate New York. Uh. Up, bud. <laughs> How would you describe the 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 fucking accent of like upstate New Yorkers <laughs> specific oh, to oh my God. like because it, it is a trip. What's up, bud? Hey, how you doing? You know, like it's just this intonation of yeah. the delivery of the words, the 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 vocab choice. It's strange. It's like all right. It is like if Adam Sandler went to prison and just got beat over the head until he actually became the character he's been portraying for the last thirty years of our lives. <laughs> okay, but that... there, but there's an army of them. There's an entire populace of just dumb Adam Sandlers. Oh boy, you're describing what sounds like purgatory right now. Yeah, imagine Lil Nicky on a fucking four wheeler. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> just just the fact alone that you you utilized four-wheeler in a sentence leads me to believe that you're from upstate new york um (laughs) and i know this uh to be true um god damn so why seattle um i had an old friend who uh has been living out there for a year or so and there was a great opportunity to move into his place for relatively cheap. So it's cool. like a good, uh, you know, cause I mean, that's the hardest part of moving across the country. Right. I've, I've dreamt of moving to the West coast for years now, but it's always like, where's my in, where's the opportunity. Right. And, uh, yeah, it just, it came at a totally crazy time where I, I feel completely unprepared to be doing this. And it seems insane to be doing it at just given everything else I've going on. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was like a, it was a too good to pass up opportunity to, cool. uh, get set up out there do you have any plans i mean right now it seems like from the outside no more death stars is a band but it also it feels as though it's it is your project it's you i know you mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier when we were talking about this kind of just being of a studio band studio project etc when you put down roots so to speak in seattle plans to continue no more death stars with different musicians what what does that road look like for you or have you not even thought that far ahead i have i don't have 100 the answer uh, of what will definitely be the next incarnation of no more death stars but but there will be a next incarnation that's all i guess i can really say for sure um yeah i mean when i when i started this band the last band i was in previously uh, one of the reasons I had decided to pull the plug on it was because um, it just seemed like all four people in the band were at very um, transitional periods in their lives. You know, like two of us were getting married, uh, people were having kids, mm-hmm. um, and it's just like personal time was whittled down. It was harder to get in, everyone in a room and rehearse. 
so it was just it was becoming difficult to be a band. So I just kind of decided the next thing I do, it's going to be formatted more like a collective uh, where I always remember hearing that Built to Spill was originally intended to be structured this way, where the only person who would have to be there for it to be Built to Spill would be Doug Marsh. And then he could have kind of a, you know, uh, revolving cast of supporting musicians in the band. And uh, I was kind of, you know, picturing something like that. You know, I mean, we, we've definitely settled on like, uh, you know, like the classic lineup or you know classic collaborators or whatever you want to call it sure. but uh but yeah i mean it, it was always kind of in my mind the idea was always like you know i'm sick of having to reboot every time someone's life changes because mm-hmm. people's life change all the time right so mm-hmm. it, it just seemed unrealistic uh so with no more death stars i was just looking for something that could be at least in name 100 my, my own and i could um, you know, occasionally rebrand if you have to, you know, if, if someone doesn't have the time to invest in the band anymore, you don't have to break up. You can just, uh, politely and with a smile, replace them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It onward just makes things easier onward and upwards. I, 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 I exactly. Believe, right? yeah. Um, let's see here. I had a couple more questions. Um, very quickly. Uh, I, I do want to talk to you about Limp Bizkit. Um, oh, of course. So this is the year of the biscuit. This is the year of the biscuit. Now the, the, they're having a real comeback right now. It's, it's you know it, people are vaxxed and they're ready for that nookie. <laughs> so so I I I I wanted to put you on the spot a little bit and ask you in particular, <laughs> um, if you had to describe if you were charged with describing the music of Limp Bizkit to a mm. grandparent or a crazy hermit uncle, how would you go about doing it? Hmm. Um, I would tell him it's like if, if you took every badass sound and you, and you put it in one, one place, uh, a place where there's not always room for all of those badass sounds. You know, sometimes it's, it's like, being on a crowded subway car on a on a monday morning sure you know sure uh you know and maybe you know if they're a film buff i might say it's like uh it's like die hard was a band Ooh, Ooh. you know dude that's crazy <laughs> limp biscuit if die hard was a band dude that needs to yeah. be a thing now that needs to be yeah. a thing oh totally totally okay. i mean I, I would love to see uh them maybe cameo in a diehard movie speaking of uh band cameos in relation to that of limp biscuit um mm. you know you, i i like that you mentioned badass sounds um <laughs> that exist that are all crunched into one song but they might not necessarily have room for it in the song yeah and, and also i want to be clear like it's it's a 12 year old boy's interpretation of badass sounds correct Correct. Not an adult, not an adult boys. No, no. Specifically, when significant other came out, like my cousin had that on CD, and it was like an interactive CD. So like it would play like a music video, like with it. You could put it in your PC and use like Winamp or whatever to watch it. So I just remember at a you know as after that album came out, my cousin got it, and we're sitting at my my grandparents' house in the computer room listening to it and watching the video. And I just remember thinking, I should not be watching this. 
Like my my parent, my my, my mom would sure. be like pissed off if if she saw this and heard this. But it was at that exact moment I knew I was going to be hooked for life, mm. and this was going to be a thing, and it still is a thing. Mm-hmm. So, I I think what it boils down to is they've somehow managed to capture the twelve year old inside all of us. You know, at this at this point <laughs> in time, I I think yeah yeah. It's just it's it's interesting time frame. So I appreciate the get up, by the way, that you would uh, even though nobody's going to be able to see. Oh yeah, no, I'm 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 wearing, you know, I got a little durst inspo going today. <laughs> I because I here's the thing, I realized that Fred Durst's new look is just like the clothes I wore from like 2006 until 2010. <laughs> uh, you know, just it's basically just trying to look like you're in the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Uh, so, Whoa. so I had I had all of yeah. It's like a Beastie Boys dad look. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, I had all the pieces because I've I've been trying to be a Beastie Boy since at least like 2002. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Um, I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for the Durst vibes. Nice. The dad, dad Durst vibes in, into yeah. it. But those rose, <laughs> those rose colored glasses or whatever are just insane. Oh yeah. For They're sure. insane. Um, so you got a new record that's coming out at some point and mm-hmm. I may or may not have been given access to a single from that. Yeah, sneak, now, sneak, special sneak peek, sneak, special sneak peek. Now I want to get from you, from the horse's mouth, if you will, Tell me a little bit about the upsides and downsides to doing a record by yourself at your own speed. What works for you? What works against you? Um, what has worked for me is that I've learned that my bandmates have a psychotic amount of trust in me uh, <laughs> because no one really knew that we were making like a symphonic rock record until I sent them demos of like the raw live tracking of the rock band stuff with uh, like MIDI strings and horns that I had generated on my laptop. That's crazy. <laughs> showing them, showing them like, this is the next phase of recording. Uh, <laughs> and like, I was really expecting people to be like, what the fuck? Like you need to chill out. But no, everyone was just like, Oh, it's cool. Yeah, let's do it. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I think just having people uh, that, are working for my ideas and not against them. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the biggest has been the, the biggest asset to this record. So here's what I can't say about the record. The record is called JPEG. Mm-hmm. It was recorded at Robot Dog Studios in Williston, Vermont with Ryan Cohen. Uh, and he is mixing it right now. But because we have so much uh, orchestral bullshit going on on these tracks, I mean, going back to the idea of like, you know, we don't have any songs with a hundred tracks on them, but I mean, I, I would, I would hate to actually count one of them. I felt, so we tracked the, uh, the cello stuff myself here uh, at my house. And then I sent it to Ryan so he, that he could mix it in with all the other stuff. And uh, I felt guilty sending him some of this stuff. Cause like, there's one song in particular where, he already had, I think, maybe eight to ten layers of trumpet that we had recorded at his studio in Vermont. Um, and then I sent him probably another eight layers of cello. Um, try, because, you know, we only have a singular cello on the record, but I wanted to mimic the sound of a full string orchestra. Sure. Um, so 
you know, I chose cello to be the singular instrument since it has such a wide range. You can kind of, you can just layer and stack it, which is what we did. And it sounds, uh, it, it sounds psychotic. It's this song sounds <laughs> like a, uh, you know, uh, kind of like a depressed Disney song, maybe a Disney score. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's like probably 16 to 20 layers of just string and horn shit. Uh, and then you've got, you know, whatever guitars, bass, drums, vocals on top of that. Uh, so Damn. yeah, I definitely, I felt guilty sending some of that stuff over, uh, for sure. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. I'm looking forward to it. There's, uh, not a date yet. Just taking our time mixing and all that crazy stuff. I wanted to chat with you, uh, about the track fear song. Now you put this out in April of 2020. It, it appears mm -hmm. as, as per Bandcamp. Now I particularly enjoy the lyrics uh, quote, I've been singing fu fucked up songs about my deepest fears, and now they're coming true like I am punk rock Nostradamus. I think about the past and all the things I'd wish I'd said and done, but lately it seems... I'd, but lately, all I seem to do is whine and kick my own ass. Wow, I fucking butchered that. Now, um, <laughs> no, you good, you good. So I, I, I wanted to chat with you. Um, you know, speaking of, like, deepest fears and things like that, what is one thing that, like, scared the shit out of you as a child and like still scares the shit out of you uh ostriches what yeah please elaborate it, please elaborate. it's a it's a seven foot tall bird that can outrun your car that's fucking terrifying dude <laughs> like birds are kind of creepy man like all animals are beautiful and lovely in their own ways the birds kind of creepy, you know, they're like, they're de-evolved dinosaurs and they've got these crazy claws. And for one to be that much larger than me and to so easily just fuck my shit up. Uh, yeah, that's scary, man. They're one of the scariest animals. They're also sure. fucking ugly. Yeah. The hairy little head. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. it's creepy. They look like an earthworm yeah. almost, but you know, the, the shade of an earthworm. <laughs> <With wings. laughs> yeah, it's like... <laughs> yeah. And that's terrifying. That is terrifying. It's terrifying. Uh, yeah. I went to an emu farm once, you oh, know, cause boy. emus are, are just kind of like smaller ostriches, but mm -hmm. they're also, I think more docile. So they, they just kind of chilled. So that wasn't the worst, but uh, yeah, ostriches are scary. Um, Freddy Krueger used to like really freak the shit out of me when I was a kid. I think his face, you know, because he, he's got the pizza face. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I have like recurring dreams where he shows up, but I don't know if I can really call them nightmares anymore because they're like they're kind of comedic because they they actually they've actually I'm not making this up. They've been triggering me to to lucid dream for fucking years. I've been having Freddy Krueger lucid dreams because you know like i understand that freddy krueger only shows up in dreams if you see freddy krueger like you're you're obviously dreaming thing sure. i never understood about those movies plot hole uh it's larger than a plot hole that's like a gaping wound yeah <laughs> it's problematic huge. it's yeah. problematic yeah uh am i to believe that the characters never put two and two together that he only shows up in the dreams i so let's let's unpack that Let's unpack that. Well, actually, you know what? First of all, you said it's it's almost comedic the way in which he's showing. Yeah. Up. So, so oh, are, yeah. are we talking he like shows up and I kind of you know if I realize I'm dreaming, then I'm just gonna like I'm not gonna run away from him. I'm just gonna dude, chill. I'm not in the mood for this shit. You know. Well, it's like it, I don't. I'm trying to sleep, not run away from your your pizza face razor hands. Oh, I'll also tell you actually, I one time had a dream where Batman was a band. 
if you can wrap uh-huh. your head around that concept. Yeah. Yeah, I had a dream where Batman was a band and it was like, uh, I think like Alfred was playing upright bass maybe and you had like Makes Robin sense. on keys. But it was like the Bat family instead of being crime fighters. Maybe they were still crime fighters. They were also a totally bitchin' rock band. <laughs> I can tell you the instrumentation was, like I said, Alfred on upright bass. Yep. You had uh, Batman on the guitar. Of course. Right? You had Robin playing the keys. Um, I don't remember who else, maybe a Batgirl, maybe a Jim Gordon, but mm. there was also, uh, some drums and maybe some sax happening. Cool. So I think it was a little loungy, but also the songs were still about vengeance and they were totally metal. Nice. I, you know, I think you could easily lure people into whatever project you decide to form, um, in Seattle by just posting a Craigslist ad looking for Batman themed jazz lounge metal band or, you know, like what you, I, I, I'm guaranteeing you could find somebody that would be interested in that. That would probably bite at that. That's the next no more death stars incarnation is <laughs> full on cowl. That's awesome. So I guess the last question is what would you name yourself? What would the, what would the name of this Batman theme of the Batman band be? Yeah. Uh, hmm. Because like obviously it it be- it's a hard question. To it is a hard question, Bob. Because I feel like uh, I feel like there, there's it's a lot of importance. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, because this this could be the band that defines a generation. You know, Correct. I, I don't want Correct. to I don't want to fuck it up by calling them like Metallica or something dumb. <laughs> uh. Because I feel like it's one of those things. It's like you want it to be recognizable enough, but not you're not going to call yourselves Batcave. Right. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, is there like a space in it? Like Nick Cave? Oh, hyphen. There's a hyphen in there. Yeah. yeah. Cause, cause I feel like that's a huge, that's a huge thing. The naming is important because right, right. it's associated with branding. All the things we were talking about before. You know what? I would probably just call it Bat Floyd. Ooh, Bat Floyd. Interesting. Cause like Bat Floyd. Would you also, do you think you could talk? Uh, Nick Mason's dead. Rip in peace, Nick Mason. Um, do you think you could? Ch- oh, actually, also alternate idea. Not to cut you off, mm-hmm. I want to get to this Nick Mason idea. But before we do, we also need to discuss. Well, not even discuss. I just need to throw it out there. Alternate pitch. Shoot. Uh, the Beach Bats, and it's like Beach Boy covers, but we're dressed like Batman. A hundred percent into that idea. Um, oh yeah, because you could perform surf rock Batman. You could perform at luau's and comic cons, you know, after parties Absolutely. and stuff like that. So you just you've opened now the door. You've doubled. You've literally doubled the right. the type right. of events you could perform at. It it'll be it'll be like early '60s surf rock, but we'll still have Nick Mason prog rock drums. <laughs> I mean, in in correct me if I'm wrong. So Nick Mason is still alive. I think so yeah i think okay. the only one who has passed away is uh is it rick uh it's the keyboard right yes, yes richard Wright. that is correct and yeah and then of course sid barrett mm-hmm. has passed away yep. but yeah i think uh i think you know i i think it's still looking good for the possibility of a pink floyd power trio
it's not. Before you shake hands. 